Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I'll stand. Lord, we thank you so much that you've given us the book of Revelation. As you gave it to the Christians then about Jesus Christ, from you, O oh God, to the saints who were suffering on the great trial, to understand those things that would shortly come to pass, one of those things that they would get relief, that they would not have to suffer very long, though some of them would die, some of them would be killed. But you, Lord, in the midst of all that tribulation, reminded them through revelation that there is hope, there is grace, and there is peace. Will you remind us today that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever? In Jesus Christ's name, amen, amen, and amen. Welcome to Chowchilla Church of Christ podcast. Thank you for joining us in our part two of Revealing Revelation. We have started the study in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And what we've covered thus far is John the Apostle and the Holy Spirit writing to the churches of Christ in Asia Minor. Then, today, the geographical territory would be Turkey. In John's writing, he's writing to the Christians then for them and for us now for us who were and now are suffering under the hands of a system of government. At that time, that system of government is identified from historical Babylon to being the Roman Empire. This government was forcing the Christians to worship the emperor. Historians called it and identified it as emperor worship. It would be very similar today as those of us who are Christians being forced to worship the government, to worship the president, to worship the vice president, to worship the powers of authority, those government systems. As we study the book of Revelation, we will find interesting that God has always been the head of all nations kingdoms, empires, as well as governments. We will see in the instance all the way from the Old Testament where God decided that he would be the ruler of governments. Now, of course, what had happened back then in the Old Testament, mankind, the Israelites, they decided to take God off the throne as being governor, the chief governor, and put mankind in there as a replacement and make him the governor of governments. This is why 
This is why we have all the problems in the world today and many people do not understand. As a matter of fact, I'll make a quotation or I'll read it to be better so to make a little bit more sense. In the book of Isaiah chapter 9 and beginning at verse number 6, it says, For unto us, that is, each one of us, Isaiah writing, a child is born. Unto us is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. It is interesting to me that God, through Jesus Christ, has government. And his government is the government that will never end. We should note that, ladies and gentlemen, because it's significantly important that it is under God's government that he wants every human being to be under that authority. We will cover that later on in the book of Revelation, but right now, we want you to know that we picked up where we left off. And right now in the book of Revelation, we want to read again verse number one, chapter one. The key phrase there, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now, we did a little research to make it very simple. And this particular phrase must shortly come to pass or the things that must shortly come to pass. Let's talk about what it does not mean. It does not mean a long time from now or way off from now or down in the distant future. I don't think so. For example, if I say to you, would you please go to the store and get me some groceries? And if you will, come back shortly or shortly come back after you get the groceries. I don't believe that you will take a long period of time, much longer than it takes to acquire or to shop for those groceries, pick them up, pay for them, then come out of the store. Shortly come to pass, you will have gone and gotten the groceries and paid for them and return, of course, to me with the groceries. Or if I say, you go to, or let's go to the gas station and let's put gas or fuel in our cars and then let's shortly leave going on our trip after that. Well, it stands to define that after we put the gas in our car and after that, we shortly leave. That's not a long time. We may do a few things after that, but that's not way off into the future. The plan is to leave shortly after we put the fuel or the gas in our car. Well, in the book of Daniel, chapter 8 and verse number 26, the Bible says the vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true. But seal up the vision, but it refers to many days from now. 
Now, the book of Daniel was written between A.D., excuse me, B.C. 600 and 700. B.C. meaning before Jesus Christ came. Some 600, 700 years before Jesus Christ, we have the book of Daniel, which is connected in prophecy to the book of Revelation, saying that these things are true and that the vision must be sealed up. It refers to many days from the book of Daniel. Now, there's another one in Daniel chapter 12. Daniel gives a very close related scripture that says virtually the same thing in verse number four of Daniel 12. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. Now, what do I get from that? A little bit more research. There's this catch-all phrase that's used starting in the book of Genesis going throughout the entire Bible. And it is this phrase similar to the things that must shortly come to pass. And it is this phrase, and it shall come to pass. And it shall come to pass. That phrase is used some 120 times in the King James Version of the Bible. By the time we get to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1, that phrase changes from, and it shall come to pass, to the things which must shortly come to pass. When we read Daniel chapter 8 and verse 6 and Daniel chapter 10 and verse 4, the prophecy then some six, 700 years B.C., is now coming to pass. That's what it means, must shortly come to pass. This was written in the circumstances, in the, in the reality and the situation of the events that were going on in John's day to the Christians who were in Asia Minor suffering under the hands of a crazy, brutal, wild, savage, savage emperor whose name was Domitian. If you want to write down his name, if you're interested enough and look it up, spell capital D-O-M-I-T-I-A-N, pronounce Domitian. He is the emperor of Rome, forcing the Christians to bow down and worship him as Lord and Christ, king and ruler the only authority. By the time we get to chapter two, if we may let you in on a little bit of insight, and one of the churches of Christ in Revelation chapter two and beginning at verse number 12, John writes, Jesus says, and unto the angel of the church in Pergamos, write, these things says he which has the sharp sword with two ages. Uh, that would be the word of God. Verse 13, I know your works where you dwell, even where Satan's seat is. It's interesting that so-called satanic worship did not start in San Francisco, California. <laughs> satanic worship started more than 2,000 years ago in the city of Pergamum. Pergamos, John writing about in Revelation 2, verse 12 and 13. What does that mean? 
We will see that Satan's seat represents the force, if you will, and the feel, if you will, the force and the feel, F-I-E-L-D, and the frivolity, the foolishness of how the emperor had set up territory and a temple in Pergamos. Satan's seat was there. The Christians had to enter into that temple and they would have to take a pledge, take an oath. They would have to speak the words repeated under an oath. Caesar is God, not Jesus Christ. They would have to say and repeat after the government of Rome, Dominus et Deus Nestor, which literally meant Caesar is ruler and governor, not Jesus Christ. Once they pledged their allegiance, once they took their oath, then they would be able, by the time we get to chapter 13 in Revelation, the mark of the beast, they would be able to buy and sell and trade freely without fear of being persecuted and killed. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, we want to tell you that that phrase must shortly come to pass relates fully, holistically, with the exception of two or three things that are about to happen and we don't know when. Must shortly come to pass relates to then. In the first 11 chapters of the book of Revelation, the church of Christ is undergoing tremendous tribulation, tremendous trouble, and tremendous trial. If you look at chapter 1 and look at verse 9, John writes, I, John, who am also your brother, number one, and your companion, number two, in tribulation. The word tribulation means to have extreme troubles, to have extreme trials, to have extreme problems. John says, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, the apostle Paul writes, yes, all that live godly in Jesus Christ shall suffer persecution. The word persecution means have trouble. Somebody said, well, Melvin, I'm having trouble and I'm not godly. Well, that's understandable too. There's this Old Testament passage in the book of Job chapter 14 and verse 14. It says all human beings that are born in this world are of a few days and full of trouble. You're going to have trouble whether you're godly or not, but Christians are going to have trouble because they're Christians. They're going to be gone against. They have three enemies. They have Satan as an enemy. They have sin as an enemy. And they have self as an enemy. And right now, which was then in the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation where the Christians are suffering from Satan who wants them to sin by worshiping this emperor named Domitian. John says, these things must shortly come to pass. May I read one more scripture? Skip up with me to Revelation chapter 10. Excuse me, Revelation chapter 12 and verse number four. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse number four. 
John is talking about what we mentioned already, that these things would come to pass. And in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4, right after he shows the sign of this woman in heaven, clothed with the sun, moon under her feet, John talks about the appearance, if you will, of, of another sign in heaven. It was of this woman giving birth to the sun and a dragon is standing by him ready to destroy this baby child that's born. But in verse five, it says, and she brought forth a man child who was to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And by the time the dragon, who is the devil, tries to destroy the child, the Bible says he's caught up to God and his throne. We want to say that that is not, though it's written as though it is and would be in Matthew chapter 1, Mary giving birth to Jesus, it is typified, it is signified, it is actually the church represented as the woman. It is the messianic community. It is the kingdom of God, the church of Christ being persecuted by the devil. But God allowing that persecution, those tribulations and trials to come, but then showing that just as Jesus was taken out of, if you will, the destruction of the babies who were two years old and under that were being killed by Herod, who was the emperor in Matthew chapter two, the Bible says clearly, ladies and gentlemen, in Revelation 12, that the church will be caught up and not suffer persecution. Why? Why? Because these things must shortly come to pass. One more. In verse number three of Revelation chapter one, blessed is he that reads and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. We want to say to each one of us that, yes, this book is prophetic. The Bible has several books of the Old Testament that are prophecy books. It has been considered that Revelation is the only prophetic book with predictions of the future of things which shall come. They haven't come, but they will come. But may we say to you, contrary to what you may have heard, believed, and understood, there are only three things maybe four that are left to happen in prophecy before this world ends. Number one, the very obvious, the, very obvious, the second coming of Christ. Christ is coming back. Number two, the end of the world. This world, this system, all these governments are going to end. Number three, the resurrection of the dead. That hasn't happened. And then number four, the final judgment. Those four things will happen simultaneously, all covered in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 to 24, and then down to verse number 36. Nobody knows the day or the hour when Jesus is coming back. But ladies and gentlemen, when he does come, he will come with the powers and the glory and the awesomeness of heaven. When he comes, 
the world will end. When he comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. When he comes, judgment day will be here. In the book of Revelation, out of the 22 chapters, the second 11, starting with chapter 10, reveal those four things that we mentioned. Other than that, Revelation has mostly been fulfilled. We will not only show that, we will prove that as we go on. But we did want you to know that the Bible clearly says to the Christians in Asia Minor, in our next study, when we pick it up at verse four, John with the Holy Spirit is writing to the seven churches of Christ, which are in Asia Minor, and it is to them who are suffering under this great persecution, which has taken place for the most part of emperor worship, forcing the Christians to worship Satan, to worship the beast and the false prophet, where Satan's seat is. And if they did not, they would not have any rights to buy, to sell, to trade. They couldn't go to the local grocery store. They couldn't put gas in their cars. They couldn't travel across town. Why, they couldn't even go out of their houses. We hope the book of Revelation is making a little bit more sense to you now as we're trying to give the backdrop, the background, and the overview. Not a confusing book, but what perhaps has been confusing to you and I is that people are reading today things into the book that certainly are not there. We want to dispel those misunderstandings. We want to destroy those misinterpretations. And we want to get back to the word of God. May we leave you with this scripture in conjunction with the book of Revelation. In Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29, Jesus says to the Sadducees of his day who did not believe in the resurrection, you do error by not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Isn't that why people are mistaken and mistakenly misinterpreting the book of Revelation? Because they don't really know the scriptures, nor the power of God. We want to leave you with that. The next time we get together, we still will be in the revealing revelation as our title, our theme. And we're going to do some more reviewing just to make a little bit more sense and we know you anxiously are waiting for us to get into the book a little bit more depth, but let's cover, if you will be patient with us, a little bit more background. And then we promise you, as you listen, we will get into the book of Revelation thoroughly. With that being said, will you close with us in prayer? Father, we thank you again for this beautiful day, this beautiful time, this opportunity to listen to your word, to learn your word, to keep your word, and to do your word. Guide our hearts. Help us to understand more and more the book of Revelation, not so we can have heads that are filled with knowledge, but hearts that are filled with obedience. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. alone my hope is found 
He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I'll stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Power of Christ, I'll stand.